Hello and welcome to the A to the K Wrestling Show. And Anthony, let me ask you one question. Are you ready to rumble? Oh, that's right. This week, yes. segment three, we are going to be going to the movies. That's right. It's A to the K at the movies where we are going to be discussing the cult hit phenomenon, at least for us yeah. anyway. Well, ready to rumble? Um, get your comfy chair, grab your popcorn. <laughs> Jump on over to Amazon Prime, which is the only place I could fucking find it. And let's uh, let's let us, film, shall we? Let us rule you and prepare to be crowned as we talk <laughs> through, obviously, ready to, uh, ready to rumble. The premise of the movie, if you're not familiar with it, um, is effectively two slacker wrestling fans are devastated by the ousting of their favorite character by an unscrupulous promoter. That is a, a great brief summary there, Carl. That was just off the top of my head, that as well. You know, didn't I love it. it. I love it. Yeah. So, obviously, Carl, we both have a massive affinity for this film, right? Mm-hmm. And I think largely due to the fact that, especially when we were kids, like, you know, we probably, I don't want to say identified with them, but because uh, we weren't exactly slackers, we were kids, so we didn't have jobs. Um, but I think we both identified with this whole, like, massive fan thing and getting massively invested in wrestling and you know like this whole thing is almost like a something out of it like a teenager's fan fiction in some senses and that's not a bad thing like in a good way where it's like yeah and, we, and then we you know we we helped bring our favorite wrestler like back into the into the like the top title scene after this like being screwed over and you know and obviously we grew up with like things like the 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 sort of the, the whole bret hart incident and the screw job and all that so you like you you get you look at the story and you go well essentially this guy's screwed over hits rock bottom and these guys the biggest his biggest fans to come and save the day for him so like for me the story i think was on point despite it getting so critically panned i actually think it was a really good way of executing it when you were trying to make a film for the fans Do you know what, as well i think it's such an interesting point to call out the uh, screw job because essentially that's where a lot of this movie hinges upon because in the movie, the main character, uh, Jimmy the King, who's played by Oliver Platt, um, is effectively screwed over um, by the establishment. So it's a guy called Titus, who probably should have been Eric Bischoff, but we'll come on to well, that at some point. Yeah, um, we will come on to that. I was going to say, there's a reason it's not. Yeah. We'll um, <laughs> talk about that. Well, effectively, you know, the, the main bulk of the storyline is a wrestler who gets screwed over by the promoter, um, similar to the screw job. Um, and the fans are just really unhappy by it. And so instead of settling, they, you know, go down, they, they track down Jimmy King um, and find out that, you know, because these are guys who don't understand what kayfabe is, they they believe wrestling is fully a real thing. Um, and they soon come to discover that Jimmy King is not a king at all. And he is just a guy who, you know, doesn't have much money, making ends meet, living in a trailer and just being yeah. fired. By the WCW, so um, yeah. and these are guys who like they read his autobiographies or whatever, so they believe every word of that is gospel. Mm-hmm. So when they find out that he's not perfect and like he stole like I believe the RV from his mum and dad and he wasn't this loving father and so on like that, they find it hard to believe because they're so deep into the sort of the story and the kayfabe of Jimmy the King, not the person. Um, and that's the funny thing. Like, I actually think it was really well plotted out as a story as much as like, I'm not going to act like this is like, you know, a piece of art or anything. I get why people panic and it, you know, the humor in it is quite low brow at times, but actually as far as story goes, I think this is really well constructed. 
I yeah, honestly, I agree, and I think obviously we were gonna in terms of the structure of this, we don't really have anything scripted as such, but we're gonna talk about our favorite bits, the worst bits, any kind of little known facts, and then how it kind of holds up today. But I think the point you just made then around. Um, you know how he came across and stuff like that that is almost one of my favorite bits and it's not something we've like written down or something but there was a there was a part in that movie where obviously they do track him down they get to his trailer and they're speaking to jimmy king and he's bullshitting them like he's done all his life he's bullshitting everybody and he's like you know his wife left him and you know his kids in a wheelchair and all this kind of stuff and obviously these two guys have gone around and met his whole family to try and track him down and it's you know when they're like, no, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and your son's not in a wheelchair anymore either. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's like, yeah. Praise, praise Jesus, praise the Lord, <laughs> and, it's and like, all of His blessings, all of His blessings. <laughs> now fuck off. <laughs> it's like, you know, straight away we know who he I, is. Like, I um, I was actually really impressed with Oliver Plath, and it's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and I, this is probably a little unstructured, but let's talk about like the first factor of like. Some people loved and some people hated the fact that this heavily involved wrestlers, but essentially in the core story, none of them were wrestlers. Mm. Bar in one exception, the legendary Diamond Dallas Page, who was essentially the villain of this piece and got the most screen time. Oh, we know that guy. Yeah. Pretty sure we, we know that we, guy. We know that. We're, we're good friends with that guy. He lets us call him Dally, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Never asked. <laughs> we never asked. Uh, Permission. <laughs> <laughs> but um like other than uh diamond dallas page who gets a lot of screen time as the villain of the piece most of the wrestlers were like sort of cameo appearances few lines here and there um but i i know that from what i've read some people took umbrage to the fact that like you know the hero wasn't a wrestler it was all of the plat but i the more i think about this and I, this is the first point i want to talk to you about i suppose is like who could have done it where they were a wrestler who essentially the background story behind it is he's not everything he was made out to be and he's a bit of an asshole in real life this is a redemption story so unless a wrestler wanted to step up and say yeah i'll be the star of this and i will point out that i'm a prick like or you know i will create a character of an asshole like the a lot of them a lot of the wrestlers involved in wcw at the time they were deep into their their character and their kayfabe anyway so the fact that you have to make this person so flawed you had to have an actor, surely. And I think Oliver Platt did it fantastically. Other than not looking like your typical wrestler. Um, I mean, to I be fair, though, like, he didn't. But they did a, a, like, you know, a really good job of, of masking that, I think. You know, whether it's clever camera angles or what. But he looked, you know, at the same height of, of, of a lot of the guys in there who are obviously very tall guys. You know, DDP, 6'5", um, yeah. for example. So... You know, no small guys, but he didn't look like he was dwarfed by them, even though I don't think he's that height anyway. So, you know, clever camera trickery, if you will. But I, I, I you know, to your point, it was very difficult to find anybody who, you know, especially anyone willing, but anyone who would come out there and play that character of somebody who had that redemption arc to tell. And But that's the funny thing, because any, any wrestler that we knew it was going to have to be a fictionalized version of themselves because we knew them. So like you couldn't have put like Goldberg or someone in that role and go, actually Goldberg, you're an asshole. You stole from your family. You um, don't care about your son, et cetera, et cetera. That's what your character is going to be. It wouldn't have worked. It needed to be someone we hadn't heard of in a lot of sense. I think anyway, I know a lot of people were like, they weren't happy that it was like, oh, it's a film about wrestlers, but you haven't really included that many wrestlers. I'm like, I think that's the only way you could have done it really personally. Yeah. 
No, I think you're right there as well. I think um, you know, there was a lot of factors as well that came came to kind of came to a head with that. Uh, I know Bischoff, obviously, but again, we'll talk about that without going through <laughs> all the worst bits right now. But um, he was basically responsible for saying who was available to star in the film and who wasn't. And you mm. know, the, the, there was a lot of stuff going on at that time where there were less people available potentially. But um, I think if, if if we kick off the segment with you know, maybe recounting some of our favorite moments. You know, for me, I have yeah. to start oh, off. Yeah, for reasons we love it. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to start off with one of the very first moments of the film, and mm. it's that early moment which defines the rest of the film for me. Which is obviously, um, you've got um, David Arquette's character, and you know, forgive me, I don't know the name of the actor off the top of my head of the guy who Gordy. plays. Well, oh, yeah, sorry, um... I was name a character. Sorry, I assumed where you were going. So David Arquette and Gordy. Um, so them two are um, obviously chatting um, and they are speaking to a couple of kids, like much younger kids who are, again, very enamored with the wrestling business. Only, you know, the thing that stands out here is that these guys are, you know, significantly older and they are on yeah. the same wavelength again, as these kids. Again, executed really well, isn't it? Yeah. These guys are probably a little bit too old to be believing in kayfabe, but they, mm-hmm. they're, they're deep into it. And like you say, they're talking to kids who would believe it. You know, it just... Well, that's it. And, you know, you know, David Arquette's character is pretty much mute throughout this whole kind of opening monologue until eventually we get to see him do this crazy kind of dream sequence where, you know, effectively we find out that the guy running the convenience store is a bit of a dick. And so in his head, you know, whether he's got brain freeze or what, that seems to be what's implied. Is um, <laughs> he's drinking or some kind of sugar rush? But um, he <laughs> envisages this crazy scene where, he goes into the convenience store after sticking his finger up his ass to try and get a refund for the drink. And that's where you do get some of the lowbrow humor. Um, but he goes into that convenience store and um, starts up a fight effectively with uh, the, the guy running in the store. And that's where, he, you know, Macho <laughs> Man Savage is in there. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful opening uh, I, that kind of sets the tone. That, right, if you're a wrestling fan, Right, and this film opens with this dream sequence where the macho man Randy Savage is in a convenience store kicking the shit out of someone. How can you not love this film from the off? It was just so, it was so savage as well. Like, when he's like, tag me! It's just, from that moment, it's just fucking boss. I think, um, shout out to the guy who played the store clerk because he he was fucking boss as well. He was so good. Open up a can of Whoopass on you, boy! Yeah, like, so so into his character, it was so well executed. I think that whole opening scene, that that set the tone for me. I thought that was it. This is where it's going to be like ridiculous, but in a good way. Even his little, um, um, even his little scream at the end as well when he the uh, you know when he'd been bested it was uh, something of you know pure beauty. But there was even yeah. the fact when you know David Arquette there was a point in there where to try and cool down, he like puts his head through a freezer and starts. To- <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's so stupid but so funny at the same time indeed so um i mean obviously for me like it's not so much it is there's a favorite bit i couldn't pinpoint when it was but one of the ones i had to list was um just the, the and it kind of it's more about the whole tone of the characters but it's just summed up in one line where um obviously gordy's dad is a is a very straight-laced policeman uh gordy being the character of um David Arquette and wants him to, to become a police officer as well, wants him to take his tests and he's telling them that wrestling's fake and it's all the crap. And Gordy's reaction so aggressively is that wrestling's not fake. Like 
and then instantly regrets doing that to his own dad. And it's just like it's not even just that one scene. It's that the whole like just utter belief that everything's so real to them. Um, I think that is what you needed out of these two characters for this to be what it was. And uh, just that that scene gets me every time. But the the, the way those two are and the, the belief they have that this this is to- everyone's wrong. No matter how many people tell them it's fake, everyone's wrong, and they totally believe that it's not. I just I, I kind of love that. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I think um, the way that it's kind of spread throughout a lot of the community as well. Obviously, you've got the crazy old lady um, who, um, you know, a bit, of a, <laughs> yeah. a bit of a sicko, wants a tight t-shirt, for example, but she's the same yeah, way she was in... Um, what was it, the Is wedding it Adam Sandler films? Yeah. She's been in a few Adam Sandler films, yeah. hasn't she? Yeah, she, she was in the wedding yeah. singer. She paid him a meat, uh, meatballs thing for the piano lesson. That was it, um, yeah, yeah. So she was def- yeah, definitely in that, but... Even like uh, obviously the girl who worked in the fast food restaurant who wasn't who was originally desired but goes on to be so you know th- there's a lot of character arcs there and people shit on people shit on this film but um, I think I don't know. trouble it I, we'll get on to why people shit on this film because I have a lot of opinion on that but like I don't be wrong there are some bits that I think are a bit daft and we can talk about them uh, like shortly. But um, I think there's more hits than misses here. I think yeah. it, this was a victim of something else, and we'll talk about that. Mm. But um, I actually think there was a lot more positive about this film than people give it credit for. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And something mm. for me, probably selfishly, because I'm such a Bret Hart mark and the whole Hart family mark, is um, just the whole character of um, Sal Bandini, um, mm. who's played by the late Martin Landau. And I think... Um, Effectively, it's Stu Hart, and there's no denying it. It is Stu Hart to a T. He's a guy who enjoys getting people, stretching the fuck out of them, making them break, um, <laughs> and it's just an all-around psychopath. And it's everything you, you love to see. Because um, what did you make of? Um, apologies, because I can't remember the. I want to say it was Perry Saturn, was it? Uh, Sid Vicious and Perry Saturn were the ones who tried to attack him in his apartment. Yeah. And uh, what do you make of that scene when he just basically battered the pair of them as well? I mean, it's fucking hilarious, wasn't it? I think um... hats off to the pair of them as well because that, like, again, this is where you go. I'm. This is where you, I always look at it and go, it might be difficult for wrestlers to want to get involved in this because they have to willingly go into a story where an old man beat them up, but <laughs> they weren't they weren't afraid to do that for the comic value of it. And uh, again, it just added to the to the humor of the whole thing. But um, you know, hats off well. to both Vicious and Perry for, for that. You know, I've got I've got no um, you know, I'm not disillusioned to the fact that they were probably told. Imagine this guy's Stu Hart, and that you know the respect that oh, people yeah. have in the business of you know for Stu is that they would do that even for film. So yeah, I don't know. I just think um, he was such a funny character. He was just like Sal Bandini, want to wrestle? Just beat up these guys, and it was just um... <laughs> a tap out kid, and he like <laughs> proper punts him in the face. <laughs> exactly. He's like, oh my he's, god, you, you killed him. Like, he's like, if he was man. right, checking to be okay, that was wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Such a fucking lunatic. Yeah, Brilliant. so um, definitely one of, one of the highlights for me, just, you know, the fact that he was basically, you know, a carbon copy of Stu Hart, but also the fact that he was just, um, he added a lot to the film as well, I thought, and, you know, really well acted, so big one for me. Um, Another positive, I would say, and again, this falls back into this whole argument because I know some people weren't happy, but obviously we they feature the Nitro Girls, mm-hmm. and people get so petty over this film that some people even pointed out that these two guys went to a house show, and you know the Nitro Girls didn't really do house shows; they only did the televised shows. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake! But yeah. essentially, we had the Nitro Girls, um, but obviously, one of those Nitro Girls was going to feature in the film quite heavily. So again, they used an actress, they used. Um, 
Rose McGowan, who sadly, and I say sadly, you know, she's entitled to her opinions, but she's not spoke favorably of the film in later years. I think largely due to her views on a lot of things now. And obviously it was quite an objectified role. Um, I don't know if an experience on the set was necessarily bad. I've, I've heard a lot of people speak about their experience on the set as being a lot of fun, actually. But um, I don't think she speaks... She doesn't put this highly in her film credits anyway, mm-hmm. which is, for me, is a bit of a shame. But um, for me, not, so, to, not to interrupt, I remember seeing some of the, the outtakes where um, David Arquette is uh, doing a scene with her and he messes up a few of the lines and she does look visibly annoyed and upset. So... Maybe she just, you know, she wasn't super enjoying the time on the set, but mm. it was a shame because I actually think she was a really good feature of the film. Me too. Um, she, mm. Like, and she played like because again, she was like the head Nitro girl, and some people talk about that in the fact of like, well, you know, they're, they're actual Nitro girls, so why'd you have to cast someone? But it's again, it's it, it's a fictionalized character. Um, all due respect to Nitro girls, but maybe they needed someone who was a bit more solid an actor. I mean, to, by all accounts, as well. This was actually based on DDP's former wife, uh, Kimberly Page. Oh, really? Yeah. So that that was who the character was built upon, um, and you know mm-hmm. Kim didn't want to do the role, so you know it makes sense yeah. to get someone, you know, a, a talented actress like Rose McGowan to. Yeah. Because I mean, we we know she's talented. I mean, she went on to do many things. Uh, Charmed being amongst them, that really helped her stand out as as an actor in the biz. So we know she's very talented, and I think she did as much as she probably doesn't really rate this on her CV. I think she did a uh, sorry. What what do they call them in America? A resume. Um, I uh, I think this it was a, a, I think she did a really good job, and obviously she had to play this um, love interest slash almost villain character towards the end. No spoilers, sorry. Um, and again, well executed. I think she was a good feature of the role. Obviously, when we were teenage boys watching this, we probably both fancied the hell out of her, uh, which was a, definitely a winning factor. But um, you know what? Yeah, I, I have to. Again, another favourite bit of the film. I think her character was played really well. Yeah, I will agree with that. And there was, you know, a couple of things that I particularly enjoyed about her role and um, them being the foreign objects. Um, <laughs> and uh. so, obviously, there is a scene in there where it's just so fucking, so silly and so stupid. But obviously, Sinclair, Sir Sinclair has put... Um, Rose McGowan's character, I think she's called Shay. Is she called Shay? Am I making that up? Um, uh, trying to remember. I can't head, remember. Head Nitro Girl, uh, Rose McGowan. Anyway, um, he's put her up to the task of um, trying to get Gordy, who was played by uh, David Arquette, to you know, effectively stop Jimmy King from going after D- uh, DDP and you know, causing this whole thing. So she's going out there in you know, under false pretenses, potentially. And so David Arquette has fallen for her. Um, and so we get the scene where she's kind of throwing it, throwing herself at him, and him just being an absolute fucking idiot who doesn't know what to do with girls. Um, we begin to see that he <laughs> he sees, you know, when she's like, you know, show me what you got. He starts doing wrestling moves on her and stuff, like actual and legit wrestling moves. He's like, get the snapmare, and he's like, snapmare <laughs> off the phone. She's like, Ugh. um, and so all that kind of stuff happens, and eventually she gets him into the bedroom, takes the top off. And obviously the appropriate response is for him to go foreign objects and punch her right in the face. <laughs> and it's something which, you know, it's just so daft again. Like I would like, you, to say, you, you so have to embrace how over the top this film is. I would like to say as a 32 year old man, I've grown out of it, but 
I watched this again very recently and I still thought it was fucking hilarious. So I'll hold me. Um, all I, can say. I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Uh, Sasha, a character was called. Right, okay. Sasha. Hmm. Yeah. So um, th- those are just a few of the highlights and we can talk about the whole film. Obviously, overall, it's a redemption arc. You know, it's um jimmy king getting back on top essentially so um we have obviously scenes where and again this is where people talk about lowbrow humor but um he attacks diamond dallas page backstage um they have a scene where ddp ends up um fought hitting into a porta party and coming out with toilet roll hanging from his um his tights and stuff like that so there's some some elements of quite literally toilet humor in there um sets himself up for the the main event if you will or the the you know the, the climax of the film in this triple cage match um, go into an element of recruiting various different wrestlers and this is when we get the bulk of our cameos Carl so obviously we see scenes which again when we're kids we'll mark out on uh, you, you probably even mark out on him on a level now but you know he, he's approaching people like uh, like Goldberg in the gym and stuff like that um, so we get a lot of fun scenes in that sense and culminates into this um, this final main event if you will of this triple cage match between Jimmy King and Diamond Dallas Page um, while we're talking about a sort of overall of the story on favourite bits, shout out to DDP who honestly could have had a career in acting for me. I think he played the villain role really well, and I think he he tries to put his all into everything he does. And um, he was heavily involved in the, in, in a lot of the uh, the plot points, as I understand it as well. But um, I think he was he was a real um, real great asset to the film. Like you genuinely hate his character, and that's exactly what they wanted you to do. And he's just uh, he's awesome in the film. To be fair. Yeah, I will 100% agree with that. I think um, it's mad, really, because he was such... He was so good at it that it almost made you, you know, think it was an actor playing the role. Like, you would never think um, this was just, like, a pro wrestler who was, like, the main villain of a of an actual movie. So you've got to yeah. commend him for that. Um, but obviously, we, we've spoken a bit around... Obviously, we've got a big sentimental love for the movie and the things that mm. were amazing about it. But that's not always the case. Um, and so one of the things we wanted to talk about as part of this as well was maybe some of the worst bits about it. And this isn't yeah. necessarily just around the actual end product of the film, but around potentially what you know happened and what came about or didn't in the film. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was obviously um, we talk about the character Sinclair. And I, I think Sinclair was a fantastic character. For this movie, he was the ultimate yeah. kind of villain. He was the mastermind behind the screw job that we saw. You know, the one who was uh, making DDP go after the the belt and and pushing him and so on and so forth. But apparently, by all accounts, that should never have been the case because originally the movie was meant to star Eric Bischoff in that role. Yeah, he was going to be a fictionalized version of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So obviously, I think that you know the character of Titus was fantastic, especially the bit where. At the end, he gets thrown over the barricade and people just start beating the shit out of him and he cries like a little bitch. So like, oh, um, but he was really good throughout. But at the same time, you've got to wonder, if Bischoff was in that role, would he have elevated that role based on the fact that he can be and can play such a smarmy motherfucker? You know what I mean? See, part of me, and again, this is this is a film for wrestling fans, so I don't think it's unfair saying this, but part of me thinks it would have been so much better with Bischoff because we know Bischoff. Mm. Like so, you need that kind of history there. But I think most people, and this is probably one of the things that we need to moan about in terms of worst bits, is like 
um, the, the target audience was a factor, and I'll talk about that some more. But I, I honestly think it would have been better with Bischoff. I do agree. Mm. What I do like is the thought they put in. Like Titus Sinclair was apparently an amalgamation of Bischoff and Vince McMahon as a character. So I do like the fact that they thought it out when they made a new Bischoff, if you will. Um, but I, I honestly, I think we missed something there not having Bischoff. And as I understand it, he was released from the company, uh, which is why he ultimately never appeared in the film. Mm. So it's almost a what could have been in some senses had he not have been removed from WCW at the time. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the worst bits for me, and I've talked about it before, like there's a lot of sensible reasons for some of this, like um, in terms of like your main characters, in terms of Jimmy the King and in terms of Rose McGowan and so on like that. But I do think there was a distinct lack of wrestler involvement. And I think that is definitely a factor for wrestling fans. I know a lot of casual fans probably won't have cared too much, but like, the the drop a load in at the beginning of the film when uh, Jimmy the King gets first gets betrayed we see like the likes of Bam Bam uh, Bigelow and um, Rey Mysterio uh, young Rey Mysterio without a mask on actually um, you know all various people like that coming out of the ring and and betraying Jimmy King so you do get to see a lot of wrestlers but in terms of actual like cameo appearances and lines there's not a lot of involvement we see notably like Randy Savage. Um, Goldberg and Sting off the top of my head who actually get some speaking lines but there's not a great deal there DDP being the exception, being the, the villain of the piece um, but I would have loved to have seen maybe a little bit more involvement because even like as an example Sting got some speaking lines but he was literally there at the last second like there was no no involvement really until the very very end and I think um, the film it's not necessarily worse, but I still love the film, but it would have benefited from being a WCW product, being a wrestling fans film would have benefited from more involvement and more lines from, or, you know, the, the, the stars of WCW at the time. Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that the, the whole of the NWO just didn't make an appearance at all, kind of spoke volumes yeah. around, you know, that whole kind of thing. Cause you know, they, they had a massive part to play, you know, getting Hogan in the film, for example, um, would have sold a lot more, yeah. essentially. Um, uh, Hogan Hogan would have sold it all day. As much as, um, obviously, I've got my opinions on Hogan as a wrestler, um, there's no no denying that that man sells. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Um, some of them, for me, I think we touched on it before, is um, just around, I suppose, watching it in 2021. Um, obviously, the world has changed a little bit. And obviously, we spoke about Rose McGowan's you know, original thoughts on this during the time of the filming as well. And I just think, you know, one of the things watching it back now is thinking around the amount of stereotypes that are in place and the amount of how certain people are potentially treated. Obviously you've got a lot of stuff around, you know, the Southern community and, um, you know, Hicks and like them being kind of like trailer park trash and stuff like that. Mm, You've got stuff around the Nitro Girls, which, you know, we've spoken about this when we talk about women's wrestling anyway around, like, you know, the perception at that time was, Women were just eye candy and nothing else. And but to be fair, I mean that that is like you say it's a product of the time because WCW was very much about that. That's why they were Nitro Girls and not female wrestlers. Exactly. But I mean, like you know, there's there's a scene in there where obviously they're just you know they're trying to look in the women's locker room and them getting changed and stuff, and it's a bit like, well, yeah, okay, that's probably a bit. It's a bit. It doesn't really fly yeah. today, does it? You know. And it's funny you mentioned about the the redneck stereotype because one of the, my least favorite things in the film is actually um, Jimmy King's son. Mm. I think I was just a bit too corny. The whole thing was like, I don't know, uh, it was a bit too lowbrow for me. I didn't like it. I mean, even his wife as well. I think obviously she's played by a very fantastic actress um, who, you know, you know, from like Sabrina fame is like one of the main, of main course, yeah, yeah. I know. But like the fact that, you know, 
oh he gave her crabs and stuff like that and she's just like there just like in leopard leopard pants and scratching her yeah. scratching herself and stuff it's a bit like oh yeah it's it's over the top yeah. isn't it yeah not agree and there are a few elements that like honestly if they'd have edited them out it wouldn't have meant much to me um and I, like the um the nuns mm. bit. like I've not. I I actually didn't mind the whole scene where they, they hitchhike with the nuns and they get them singing Van Halen. It's like ha ha, but then when it's like they just make this stupid joke afterwards. It's like, oh, did you fart in the van? And he's like, no, I thought you did. And it's like, oh, it turns out the nuns were farting in the van. It's like, mm. ha ha ha. Like yeah. that joke. That joke after they could have edited just that joke out and still had the scene where they hitchhike with them. I'd have been fine with it. But uh, just little little bits like that. It was like uh, maybe someone could have polished the uh, the script up a little bit. Um. And what I want to talk about, Carl, certainly lastly for me in terms of the worst bits, and this is not necessarily a worst bit, but something that I honestly I ponder it so much that I think maybe maybe it would have been better in that sense. So um, to sort of go back onto the plot, we have this... The plot is a little bit messy in the sense of, like, Jimmy King gets betrayed at the beginning of it, right? So... He's in the ring. He's wrestling with DDP. They're having a bit of banter, and they're clearly it's clearly scripted and kayfabe, and they don't really hate each other because they're like instructing each other. So he's like, "Oh, hip toss and so on like that," and then suddenly Diamond Dallas Page attacks him. So then it goes into like, okay, so you have it was kayfabe, now it's real, right? But then you know, everyone else kind of gets involved and the whole thing becomes real. So it's like, okay, so everyone's willing to, to actually beat the guy up, even though that's not the case. And don't be wrong, I'm sure they were trying to hint towards stuff where we've had, like, in the past where, you know, the APA clearly beat up, like, um, how was his tag team? They came in from ECW, they, they just totally battered. Public and it enemy. clearly was a public enemy. So I'm sure they were trying to maybe allude to some times when it has been more serious than kayfabe, but um, it got to a point where it was like these two fans totally believe it's real and it wasn't. But then everything after the Jimmy the King bit and their involvement was totally 100% real. Triple cage match, doesn't matter, putting people's actual lives on the line, even though this is a scripted product and we're trying our best for safety. No, that's all gone out the window because these two guys fucking love wrestling. Um, so when you, you, you sit and pick apart the whole thing, you're like, that's a bit odd. And then it ends, obviously, Jimmy King gets the belt back Um Gordy becomes a wrestler, uh, Sean becomes their manager, and so on like that, and they get to live their dream. But again, they don't jump back to the kayfabe, to the story elements. It's like, this is real now. And there's one thing that sits with me, and it actually came from Dallas Page. Um, I remember being interviewed, and I would love to have talked to him a bit more about this when we spoke to him, but obviously, um, you know, we had so many things we wanted to talk about, and I could have took his entire day up if he'd let me um but one of the things he's mentioned in the past was that he actually proposed a different finish to the film and the network didn't want to do it and that was when the match was done him and jimmy king embraced and they hugged and they celebrated and the guys are like what the fuck and they're like welcome to the business boys and it turns out the whole thing was a work between the two of them and I think that would have been so much better because it would have made sense when they go forward in like apparently being wrestlers and managers and so on. They're now part of the business. And from a network point of view, they didn't want to do it because it kind of broke kayfabe in a sense. But it didn't because you already broke that at the beginning when you established that it was scripted. So 
the more I think about it, the more I'm like, why didn't they finish it that way? And that it kind of goes down as a worse bit for me because I would have loved for that finish to to acknowledge that, like, yeah, we we were this was a whole whole thing we had scripted out between us, and we were telling a story, and it was boss. Welcome to the business, guys. <laughs> I would have fucking loved that to be honest as a finish. But yeah, I think um, that that finish that was proposed is meant to be similar to um, David Cronenberg's Scanners, where effectively it would blow their minds to a point where they just you know it would. Uh, it would just completely change their whole perspective on on what wrestling was and just absolutely make them question themselves and everything else in life but yeah you know you bring me on to something i wanted to speak about you know just around the film itself which was yeah you know, the, the whole kind of little known facts around the film so i think yeah yeah you, you you've kind of covered off one one of the big ones there which is around the potential alternative um second ending but something that other people don't know, which I just think is just a really nice thing, is, you know, David Arquette, he gets a lot of shit for the fact that he was in the film and he went on to go and, you know, star in WCW and, you know, effectively win the belt and so on and so forth. And, all you know, everything that kind of went along with that. But something that not many people know is every kind of paycheck he got from WCW to, to appear on their program, he didn't keep a penny of it. So because he is such a big fan of pro wrestling... He's been a fan of it, you know, his whole life. He actually took all that money and gave every earnings that he had from WCW and put it into the family of the, um, obviously, of, of, of Brian Pillman, who recently passed away during the time, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. a year or two before the, the filming of that um, actually occurred. So just goes to show, like, the amount of shit he got and people say, you know, him being involved and, you know, the subsequent stuff in, in Nitro and in winning the belt on Thunder was, you know, the final nail in the coffin of WCW. And really he didn't take a penny from them. He took the money and he, you know, donated it to Pillman who, you know, a lot of people know and respect and think that he was one of the, the shining stars of the wrestling business who, that, that lost to him. I'm honestly, honestly, this is one of the things that really pisses me off about people and this film, because this film, I think, gets panned so much more because they class it as the nail in the coffin for WCW. WCW fell apart due to some bad business decisions. This film was not the reason for that, nor was David Arquette winning the title. As much as you can dislike that, I'm not being funny. When you can look at the modern product now and you can have WWE having zombies involved to promote a film, but we can't have David Arquette in WCW without it ruining the company. It, it, this is not the fault of David Arquette. It's not the fault of this film. This film was a really good idea that, okay, could have been executed differently maybe, but um, I, I, I really resent when people call, call it the nail in the coffin for WCW. This was, it was nowhere near that. It was, it was a, a I think the problem it had, before we go on to the, the like going through some more of the, the fun facts, I think the problem it had overall was that they probably wanted to cater to a bigger audience than just wrestling fans. But this is a film for wrestling fans. And the reason I say that is because if you look at most people who critique this film, who review this film, they are film reviewers. They're looking at it as a film Mm -hmm. and they're not wrestling fans. And I think this is a film for wrestling. This is a film where you mark out because you see Randy Savage and you enjoy the ludicrous over the top storylines that you would get in wrestling, funnily enough. And I think if you enjoy it as a wrestling fan, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy this film, no problem at all. I think the problem is when it goes beyond that. And let's bear in mind this isn't a uh this isn't owned by WWE 
or wasn't owned by WCW at the time, this is a Warner Brothers product. Warner Brothers still own the rights to this film, and Warner Brothers were marketing this as a film that, like, you know, anyone can watch. But I think this was a film you had to watch as a wrestling fan. I think if you weren't a wrestling fan, you a lot of this was going to go over your head. Like, imagine watching this film, Carl, without being able to appreciate any of the um, the sort of nods to um, like to Stu Hart and to um, like when you see Randy Savage and and various bits like that. All those nods have gone out the window because you have no idea who these people are. Mm. Like it, a lot of this film was lost because of that. So you have to be you have to be a wrestling fan, preferably a WCW one, I suppose, at the time. But you have to be a wrestling fan to appreciate a lot of this. So I think for me, a lot of the critical panic got was probably that, and I think a lot of the budgetary issue because it, it obviously made half of its budget back, I believe. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that's because you've tried to put a film out there to the world. When in actual fact it was to a, a more um, more of a niche audience, really. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, really. I think they they knew that their fan base was dwindling, and they wanted to you know recapture as many fans as they could. So it probably made sense at the time to try and do a film that was or that had a global appeal. Um, but obviously, mm. the way it was the trouble is, so the, I don't. It's probably the only negative thing I will say, or the main negative thing I'll say about it is they didn't actually make a film that catered to everyone. No. That was more worldwide. They they made a film for people who enjoyed wrestling, yeah. and this was probably if that's if that's what they were going for and that's what they were trying, they failed. But they still made a film I really enjoy and will continue to watch. Yeah, same. Um, so another little known fact for you, Anthony, about this film. Go on. Um, so even in wrestling movies, you need stunt doubles. And did you know I need Road Dog again for this? But um, <laughs> <laughs> just like the little known fact of the week. But um, the Hurricane Shane Helms actually was the stunt double for David Arquette um, in this movie, which uh, was surprising Crazy. to me. Um, yeah. Canyon, uh, so Chris Canyon. Uh, from WCW was Oliver Platt's uh, stunt double, and I mean, who better than Canyon? Uh, you know, um, that was his little quote there, so I had to put that in. But nice. um, I don't know. I just think it's mad to think that everybody in the film, even though they were pro wrestlers, had their own stunt doubles as well. Um, and an- another funny thing about uh, Shane Helms is apparently there's a scene in there where Jimmy King's entrance music was like, I think it was from DMC's um, Kings or something that he comes out to. And effectively, Shane Helms had to be like a rap instructor uh, for the day because he had to teach a bunch of extras in the audience how to sing along to this to this rap. So <laughs> there, was, there was a time in there where Shane Helms was, um, you know, one of the best rappers out there just to get people to rap nice. along with him to his hair. <laughs> so, yeah. I've also fun heard, um, as far as fun facts go, I've heard that um, I think it was Oliver Platt. It might have actually been the guy playing the cashier, so apologies if I've got this totally wrong, but it's it's off the top of my head. Uh, accidentally hit uh, Randy Savage during that wrestling scene at it the was. beginning. He was all yeah. flat, yeah. You can see it in the outtakes at the end. You can clearly see him go, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a person you want to accidentally hit. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so, yeah, so that, that, that was one of the main ones. I think another one to talk about um, is Rey Mysterio uh, was in the film as well. Um, as also with someone else, which you can tell us about in a minute, Anthony. Um, you know, they're getting their first major, major uh, film yeah, break. This is but, the film that made um, them not remember that. <laughs> but yeah, so Rey Mysterio was actually in this movie as well. Um, but 
he suffered a major knee injury um, during the filming of this. Obviously, he was only in there briefly, and it, he was doing like a... To be fair, um, though, I think he did a Hurricane runner off the top rope, though, when he was there. Yeah, like, exactly. He, so, he appeared very briefly, but it was, it, was one of, it was one of the better scenes in the film, to be fair, in terms of how it was filmed. But apparently, he fucked his knee up, and it kept him out of action for over six months from you know the time he, he went on to film until when he came back into yeah. the ring. And as we know, by that point, that was during the end of like WCW's demise, effectively. So... It kind of that that was his swan song for WCW was was the, the movie so. Party that, it? So the other one, Carl. While we're talking fun facts, and while we're talking people who appeared in this film, as um, eagle-eyed viewers because he was very much uncredited. Um, in the scene when Goldberg, uh, or when they approach Goldberg in the gym, he's working out. Um, in the background, you can see the um, the major Hollywood star that he is now in John Cena. <laughs> John Cena making an uncredited scene in the background, just working out in the gym. I couldn't see him. Well, no one can. (laughs) But, yeah, apparently um, John Cena, for some reason, not credited in the film, but was one of the people in the gym when uh, when they're approaching Goldberg to join Jimmy King. Mm. Um, So there's another little fun fact for you there, Carl. A little fun fact. Fucking full of fun facts. But I guess Anthony, fun what we want to try and understand is obviously we've watched it again recently. We know it's one of our fondest memories of wrestling films. How do we think it holds up today? What are your thoughts? I, my argument would be that I reckon it probably holds up better today than it did, and I say that because we've got the nostalgic goggles as well now. We don't, we won't see a WCW arena anymore. We don't see Nitro Girls anymore. We a lot of the wrestlers we see there, like uh, Randy Savage has had a, a finite number of films where you get to see him. Um, I think his probably most popular one was appearing as Spider Man as Bonesaw. Oh, but um, but this for me is like this was a, a legit like nice big scene at the beginning where he's having a like, all right, it's like a goofy thing in a supermarket, but it was really fun. Um, and. I don't know. If just if you put the nostalgia goggles on and you want to see some some awesome wrestlers from back in the day, and um, just again, just look at that tale of people who were major. Like we were, like when we first started watching this as teenagers, we were probably Sean and Gordy. Like we <laughs> truly fucking loved the kayfabe of it all. Do you know what I mean? And we're massively into it. Um, and whilst looking out through different eyes, I still think it has that nostalgic kick. Like we remember it fondly, but you remember wrestling fondly as well. And, um, I, I it must hold up better now. Like I know there's still some goofy premises to it and, you know, it'll never get an Oscar or anything, obviously, but, um, I, I, it's got a, it's got a fair better now. Surely, surely. Carl. I mean, it has to, doesn't it? Like for me, the first time I watched this, I went to our local library and I rented this film as well as, um, at the same time, I think it was, an, it was either An Idiot's Guide to Pro Wrestling or Pro Wrestling for Dummies. It was one of them. Um, and I was reading through that at the same time um, because obviously I was just so fascinated by the business and how it all worked and stuff like that. So for me, it was um, it was mad to see this film of, you know, what I watch on a you know weekly basis, just being part of this film and just seeing it all come to life on like a big screen DVD. But I think today it definitely has to hold up better than what it did because... I don't feel like you can have as many cynics and sparks around the business at this point. And obviously the company didn't end up lasting, which is obviously a shame. But I think at the time people were like, you know, as we said, it's the nail in the coffin and X, Y, Z. You know, if you watch this film today for what it is, which is a, um, you know, a bit of a silly 
kind of lighthearted comedy around pro wrestling, you know, I think you will take a lot more from it in today's age of just appreciating it for a fun time. But obviously if you do have that, you know, old kind of nostalgic, like part of you that has seen these guys before and, you know, understands the previous business, you're going to get even more from it. So it's one of them, Mm. I think in a, in a very PC world that we live in today, where a lot of the things that happens in that movie isn't necessarily, you know, appropriate in, in today's world. I think, you know, there's, there's elements of that, which, people may get offended by and may disagree with. I mean, but, let's be um, honest, you need to you need to watch it while you can because shit's getting cancelled left and right now. Well, yeah, I think... Like, I th- not to digress, I'm subscribed to Disney Plus at the minute, Carl, right? Mm. And they have removed the first episode of season three of The Simpsons. And you're like, why is that? It's because it's the episode where Homer goes into a mental home and meets a guy who thinks he's Michael Jackson. So that's not PC enough, so it's been cancelled. And it's like, I'm I'm all for like, you know, if something's not right, you know, don't do it. But at the same time, it's like, well, come on. You know, like, when when do we stop removing stuff from history? Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, watch mm. it while you can, because probably going to get removed off social media, pl- uh, off streaming platforms soon enough anyway. Yeah, I didn't know that, to be fair. That's, um... Yeah, it's I only found out today. That's why I'm bringing it up randomly in a wrestling <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm kind of pissed off about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I'll I'll agree with that to be fair. But um, I don't know. I just think yeah, if if you go into watching this film knowing that it was filmed a while ago, and if you go into it with like an open mind and a light heart, and just want to, you know, just want a enjoyable kind of light hearted, silly comedy film to watch and you happen to be a wrestling fan i think you'd love it today because you know i watched it again recently for the first time in many years and there was a load of elements in that film that i still thought was really funny and really liked you know there were one or two moments where i was like oh okay that was probably a bit bad at the time um but you know it's a different era now and and you know you're more aware of these things and you will go yeah okay that's you know not appropriate where at the time all that all those years ago when it came out you just didn't really think about them things so you know i don't think that should define this film i think there's one or two um, minor things in it in here where you'd be like okay but on the whole i think it's a, it's, it's a really good film it's, it's... and there's a the thing right we say this right i'm a very petty man right there's a scene there's a bit in this film that still bugs me and i'll mention it and this is such a minor thing that carl probably hasn't even noticed right bugs the fuck out of me right and this is why I want to stress this because this is why I'm saying just enjoy the film for what it is because, you know, if you want to nitpick and you want to pull it apart, you will be able to successfully. But, does it, you know, if you go into that with that mindset, you will, right? But there's one scene in there, Carl, I need to mention, and that's when um, they get to the main event, which is a, a steel cage on top of a steel cage on top of another steel cage with the belt at the top. So the aim, what's the aim, Carl? You have to climb the cages and you have to get the belt. That's how you win, is it not? It is, yep. Is there any other way to win that call? Don't think other so. Than getting the belt. Nope. Right? So why, when they cut to Gordy's dad watching it in the police station, are they watching the match and going, pin him, pin him? Like, does fucking nothing if you pin him. It really bugs me. And it's such a stupid, petty little thing, but why are they chanting pin him? Yeah. Does fuck all. I Don't get pin him. Get the Mate. belt. Maybe because they're not really wrestling fans and they're just tuned around and, you know, again, it's that kind of stereotype of them just okay. being like hicks and just being like, yeah, pin them, get the win. 
Um, you but should yeah, know what you're watching. You should know what the aim <laughs> of the fucking match is. Stupid heads. Anyway, um, such a um, minor thing, but that bugs me. But my point being, if you want to nitpick it, you can, like I just mm-hmm. did, over stupid minor petty things. But then you'll find that it's, you know, you will be able to call it shit. But it's not. It's gold. Okay. So what would you say is your final word on this as a segment, as A to the K of the movies, reviewing, ready to rumble? What, how do you want to wrap this up? I think as much as people can panic, and as much as it wasn't a financial success, I think you've got to appreciate the fact that this was made with the best intentions and a lot of love in a lot of senses. David Arquette was a massive wrestling fan. Diamond Dallas Page is a massive wrestling, well, superstar, but also a wrestling fan. Everyone wanted to make the best thing they could. And I think you've got to appreciate the passion that went into it. And I think that's probably one of the last things I'd want to say on it. Do you know what? I cannot agree more with you. I think, you know, remove like the whole revenue from it, remove the original kind of critic response and even the audience response. I think just watch this film. If you're a wrestling fan, just watch it. You know, it might feel dated to you. It might not, but it's just a silly comedy film that you can sit back, relax. You'll see a few, like, you know, whole like nostalgic stars and, you know, you'll see some really good acting as well by some people in there, you know, DP, um, you know, the, fucking most of it, to be fair, is really well acted. And I think, you know, to your point around why it was probably a failure at the box office was that it's really a film for wrestling fans. I think if you're a fan of just silly comedies as well, like the two complement each other so well, like obviously it, it, it's a massive benefit to be, a wrestling fan and i assume if you listen to this podcast or watching this that you are so you probably got even more of a chance of enjoying it but even if you're just a fan of just silly comedy movies that have got you know not the strongest of plots but ones that it's still a plot that gets you through from a to b <laughs> honestly i think you do need to be a wrestling fan for it but honestly if you're a fan of adam sandler films it's it's about on par in terms of level of humor i mean it's better than fucking some of the shit he's put out let's be honest jack and joe yeah. Don't be wrong, Adam Sandler's had some class films like like Wedding Singer is probably more um more thought out than some of his other films, but like this is like in terms of humor level, it's probably on par with the likes of Waterboy and stuff like that, isn't it? So like in terms of like if you enjoy a silly comedy like that, then th- that's the kind of thing. You know what I mean? That that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah. But I think for us, you know, I've 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 bought it now, it's on my my prime library. Nice. So I can watch it whenever I want to watch it, and I think I will. <laughs> I might make it just like a yearly tradition, just to get get back into grips with it, and you know, just just watch it again. I, I obviously watched it a week or two ago, just ahead of this, and yeah, I just thought it was, you know, it still made me laugh. It was still just a nice throwback to see, you know, like my favorite Mister P- Mister Perfect in that movie. There doesn't really do much in there, but nice to just see him on the screen. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously the the whole throwback to you know the Stu Hart imitations and. You know, Titus and the little um, and... very quick joke with uh, Mean Gene as well. Remember that? <laughs> Which one? And he's in the they're all partying in the trailer park or whatever. And um, Mean Gene Oakland says to uh, Jimmy King, like, "Oh, do people find me sexy or something like that?" Oh yeah. Like, I think you're sexy, Mean Gene. I really do. Yeah. Like just daft, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Um, and I think you know, even though even though Rose McGowan didn't really enjoy it, I think she put in a great performance as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, the whole thing is is really well performed and acted, and it is silly. And if you know if you're not into silly comedies, you won't like it. But if you are, then 
I think give it a watch because um, I, I don't think it's expired. You know, I, I, to say it stands the test of time, maybe an over, you know, an overreach, but I would say mm. it's still to a degree holds up today. Um, if you're a wrestling fan and we are, and therefore Again, I'm going to continue quite to... a niche audience, but if you're in like your, your thirties and you remember <laughs> WCW and you're a wrestling fan and you're still a wrestling fan, Mm-hmm. You're probably gonna like this film on some level. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but we like it and we enjoy it. And this was A to the K. Damn right. Movies. Um, next time we're at the know. movies, we're gonna cover the longest yard. Why not? Ah, oh, fuck that. Shit. <laughs> I was longest thinking. Longest yards. No, no, no. The longest yards. Fucking brilliant. It's not a wrestling film. Fuck that. It's it got loads of it might have Stone in it. Cold in it. It might have Goldberg in it. It might have Stone Cold, Goldberg, Kevin Nash was in there. I think Kevin Nash was in there. He had the too much, uh, you know, estrogen or something. Um, yeah, but I, I honestly think we should do the wrestler next. I think it's such a fucking good great. Carly was in it. He was. Um, but we'll see. Hang on. In fact, more, more. Hang on. <laughs> shut up on, your sorry. face. Let's let's not us decide. Let's let anyone who <laughs> watches this or listens to this decide. Tell us what we should do next. The fucking longest yard, or the wrestler. The wrestler will be a good um, show. It's like, it's like the Rocky of the wrestling world, isn't it? Let's be honest. And to be fair, Marissa to me. I mean, there's not going to be a sequel, but sorry, go. On. You know, don't care how old she was in that film, but it's nice. Um, but no, good film. Um, really, really good film. Obviously, it made the likes of Roddy Piper cry of how realistic it was, and um, it's such a sad tale of of people who, you know, you see on a you know, almost a weekly basis, you know, at least before COVID of these wrestlers who would be at these conventions and some of them can't move. Some of them can't just do anything. Some of them are on like the last legs. And I mean, we've, we've mentioned it before, like how addictive the business seems to be because there's so many people who can't leave it. And this film just, not this film, sorry, the wrestler as a film just sort of epitomizes that, that inability to sort of walk away yeah. and that addictive property it must have. And um, I think it's even more poignant given that, like, we've very recently spoke to DDP, who's, who's doing everything he can, I suppose, to help people with that. And yeah. DDP Yoga is helping people in terms of, you know, k- keeping them as mobile as possible and giving them as low impact exercise. But mm-hmm. it's also that mindset thing. I mean, look, I mean, the resurrection of Jake the Snake alone is like enough of a tale to go, fuck that. Yeah. You know, this works. I mean, but, um, you know. Even on, the, even on the surface of it, like the sacrifices you make as a pro wrestler to try and stay big is is crazy. You look at, you know, in this film, you know, Mickey Rourke's character makes a couple of hundred bucks, you know, for per appearance. And all that's gone on him going on the sunbeds and him doing steroids and, you know, mm. all that kind of stuff. He doesn't see his daughter. Yeah, to keep that he look, yeah. on the road and, you know, he's getting his hair done all the time, stuff like that. And it's, it's mad when you think of what actually goes into maintaining these characters yeah. and... The impact it has, and it, it has had for a lot of wrestlers working on the road, you know, three hundred odd days a year of not seeing your mm. kids and stuff, and yeah, you know, it's crazy. It seems to, um, it seems to like really accurately point some things out there. Mm. Like um, one thing, it's not related to the film, but like it just shows you what wrestling's like. Is that um, again when we were speaking to to DDP and he was saying about he mentioned about injury and he said like he stressed injury rather than he, he doesn't want to say hurt because like I think he alluded like wrestlers are always hurt in some way mm. and like it's it's that kind of thing isn't it? it's like like you say it just it shows you how like almost normal it is in the business that like yeah you you're usually beat up in some way and you you know yeah. like it's quite an unforgiving place really at I times. Mean, I mean speaking to Brian Clark, obviously Adam Bomb fame, he, mm, he of course spoke, yeah, he spoke yeah. about, you know, there was times where, you know, you 
you kind of you're in that much pain you're on the road that much you, you just you know you have to take the pain pills and you have to do this that and the other and it's it's crazy yeah. to, to think about the life that you have to lead to you know to, to do this as, as a job you yeah. know what i mean so Fuck it, you've convinced me, Carl. We'll 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 do the the wrestler as our next eight to the K of the movies. You're quite right. <laughs> That's it, fans. Fuck you, I win. Um, okay. <laughs> don't care if you want to listen to fucking the longest yard. I win. Longest uh, yard, still a great film. Back it is a good man. film. Um, we'll definitely cover it at some point. But that was eight to the K at the movies. That was another week in the eight of k wrestling show we spoke about the news as we always do we spoke about this week in wrestling the good the bad the ugly mostly all of that raw except for the good um and then we finished it off you know taking a trip to the cinema to look back at one of our favorite wrestling films you know still coming down from the high that was the interview with ddp just less than a week ago and if you haven't checked it out yet please do because He's a wonderful dude. He talks about a lot of the yeah. projects he's working on. And, um, and look at it this way, guys. We're not going to stop talking about it until you watch it. So get it out of the way. Fucking watch it. I will share it with all of you. If I track it down, <laughs> I'll come to your house. That will make you watch yeah. it. Watch it. Um, but no, so that, again, is another week of the a k Wrestling Show. As always, follow us on all the all the places. Nearly at 10K on TikTok now. Madness. Yeah. Um, Instagram growing as well. So... Yeah, yeah. We're very humble, very blessed to have anyone who follows we us. We are indeed following us. Um, and yeah, we will see you again. Maybe not this time next week, maybe a day early next week. I don't want to jinx well, it. Hey, you never we know. did a Wednesday. This is a Tuesday. Maybe we'll be back to re- regular Monday night programming next week. It is bank holiday though, so we'll you know we'll see. Um but yeah, I'm off that week, so I can't make any excuses to be fair. It's all on you. Mm. Um but yeah, we'll be back this time next week. Thank you again and yeah, we'll play the the regular intro. Uh, intro, the intro. That's what we need to do. An intro. The intro. Love it. Um, we'll see you all next week, guys. Take it easy. You're watching or listening to A to the K. The A to the K. A to the K. A to the K. A to the K. These guys are awesome. Check it out. Check it out. Change your life. You'll be thanking me later.